go. Right. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Social World Podcast. Um, I'm back on one of my main themes today, which is the exploitation of children. Um, you know, we've done things in the past about human trafficking and about anti-slavery. And I'm always coming up with people, key people, if you like, around the world who've dedicated themselves to protecting the innocent. Today, it's John Pazuro, and John is the chief executive of Raven, which is a, a, a company in the States, a lobbying and advocacy group. But John brings to that an enormously long history in law enforcement, fighting against people and arresting dozens, if not hundreds of people who actually have been involved in this horrible trade. Welcome to the program, John. Thanks, David. Great okay, to be here. Thank good. Well, let's get into it a bit and, and sort of tease out some of the things there. You're the chief executive of Raven. So just for the setting the scene, could you tell us a bit of what, what Raven is? So one of the challenges for people that work in the field today is that there wasn't an, uh, an advocacy group talking for the people to help the people and give them the resources they need to fight and protect children better. So that's where Raven comes in. Uh, the funny part of Raven is, uh, one of our, um, board members is from Denmark and in Nordic myth, uh, Odin had two Ravens, one memory, the other foresight. So we are the people of the past, all retired, um, trying to provide that foresight to help people in the future. So, um, it's not just the states, but we're here to protect children, give everyone out in the field the resources they need, whether it be funding, whether it be legislation, whether it be better laws, and make sure that everyone's held accountable, including the tech companies as well, because the reality is, is that's where our children are. So it's a, a daunting task, to say the least, but um, that's what Raven's uh, mission is. Our, our mission is really to transform the response to child exploitation. Okay. Okay, so that that that's the kind of the the explanation of Raven. Give us a quick gallop through, would you, about how you came to Raven in the first place? Because you've got a long history, haven't you? Yeah. So um, I spent 25 years in the state police. I was doing trafficking before they even called it trafficking. You know, oh. uh, I'm I'm aging myself a little bit, but <laughs> the last six was the Internet Crimes Against Children Commander and. What frustrated me and as well as some of my other colleagues is that there was the there wasn't the opportunity. Um, we would sit around and like, well, they should do this or they should do that. But ultimately, it was up to us to really change things, because the one thing that was missing and the one gap, and this is what we talked about before, is that was this legislative aspect, because most of the people talking to legislators and political people are advocacy groups, but people that not necessarily have done the work. So I think that's uh, mm. the light bulb went up really to, to fill that gap. And that's kind of how Raven was created. No, fair enough. I mean, that, that, that's quite a universal kind of truth, isn't it? That it does tend to um, be much, much better if you've got experience and then advocacy, as opposed to just enthusiasm and then advocacy. Yeah. You know what? I think one of the things, David, is that we can identify the problems. And even in the best intentions, some of these laws don't really translate. 
Um, and there's a lot of bad legislation out there too. And I think that um, it's only because we worked in the field for so long. And I think what makes Raven a little bit unique is that we had nine retired uh, ICAC commanders. We had uh, Internet Crimes Against Children commanders throughout the states. We had someone who worked in the behavioral um, uh, unit for the marshal service who um, interviewed thousands and thousands of uh, offenders. So when we have a policy person, a philanthropist, so I think when you put together a team of people that really um, complement each other and have that necessarily experience, it gives it a little bit more um, credibility, but uh, also problem solving in this, in this arena. No, I get that. And I, I, I must admit, I totally agree with you because operationally, whether it's here in the UK or elsewhere, but certainly in the industrialized world, more and more now we're looking at teamwork. We're looking at shared experiences. We're looking at involving all the different agencies together when they're trying to combat this, as opposed to leaving people in silos, trying to sort of do it just within their own discipline. And I think you'd agree in in the States it's, it's the same, and you've just outlined it, that it's so much better together if you've got different disciplines who've been all involved in the same project, but from different angles, suddenly coming together and sharing experience. And that sounds just what Raven is. Yeah, and you know what? It's, it's, it's taking... You, you know, uh, in the States, we call it a MDT approach or multidisciplinary team because yeah. you have victim specialists, you have, you know, everyone has a different portion or piece to play. Uh, and, and that goes from a global community because it doesn't matter because the, a lot of these companies are in the U.S., but it's not like that TikTok is in, is, is only in New Jersey, right? It's, it's global. So, yeah. and I think, um, Today, I think we've arrested more offenders. Um, uh, I, I, we arrested a couple of people from the UK and Germany, even traveling to the States, you know, mm-hmm. to victimize children and vice versa. So uh, that's where we need to really rely upon people's expertise, because if we all had one voice, right, we get drowned out. Think, I think of it as a stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for, 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 uh, for your, for your folks in the UK soccer, uh, here it's the NFL, the other type of football, right? Yeah, okay. So, but if you think about it, if, if I'm in a stadium and I scream the loudest I can, no one's going to hear me. But if everyone screams the loudest they can, it's a roar. And I think that's what we need to do, um, you know, globally uh, as well. I do take I take the analogy very you know very carefully in that and I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, the more voices, the better. I mean, over twenty years ago, uh, in fact, twenty five years ago, good grief, thinking about it, I worked did a bit of work with Interpol on um, sex tourism to the Pacific Rim. Yeah, from from the UK and and from well, from all the industrialized countries for all the reasons that you're well aware of about how people thought it was much easier to go and abuse little brown children than it was to stay at home and get caught. But effectively, although there was a lot of work being done, I still get the impression that somehow or other, it's like one of these multiplying things that you can never get control of totally. The the amount of victims, the number of victims, and the number of, of, of ways that people are coming up to actually abuse victims or involve them in organized criminal activity is, is huge still. 
And it's bigger than ever. Well, look, even if you go sextortion and you look at the Ivory Coast, because now groups are monetizing it. So you have the offender approach where they just want to victimize children. You now have other groups that want to monetize it as well. So uh, the reality is, is you've got Tor in the dark net where you have now up upwards of 30% are using that just to be anonymous. So you have end-to-end encryption where people are using technology to, to, to remain hidden. But the reality is, is that it just doesn't stop at one victim. And I'll take it one step further. Now, let's say as an offender, it would take me maybe a couple months to groom a couple hundred people. And now with AI, I can groom uh, a thousand children a day. So we, um, we're, 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 effectively losing uh, because of the amount of victims, because technology allows the access to more and more victims. I mean, you are raising that specter of of cutting edge technology um, being an aid to crime. Um, And I think an awful lot of people are indeed worried about that. And I'm sure there's people trying to, to kind of fight against that. But what would be your opinion as to the chances of them winning? Right now, if we don't do something, they're going to win. Um, so ultimately, we need we need greater, um, you know, regulation. And I'm not a person for regulation just for the sake of regulation. Mm-hmm. But you know, the reality is is that let, let's go back to and, I, and I'll use a U.S. analogy where you know uh, at one point uh, this tobacco industry people were, uh, were were smoking, but there wasn't warning labels on cigarettes, and it was a huge fight. Like you couldn't do that. Yeah. The reality is is that tech companies today they um, everyone uses the product, but there is no warning label, so to speak. Heck, even if I go see a movie tomorrow, it's rated R in the U.S., right? So at least gives me that warning. There is none of that in technology. So I think mm-hmm. um, technology is here to stay. And look, you know, um, I- I'll use Apple as an example, right? So last year, globally, there was 32 million cyber tips uh, globally around the world. And basically, it's a tip where it's a report to... Um, to the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children that the tech companies might have that might be um, uh, a tip that might lead to where a child is being victimized through um, could be could be a, like it could be memes, it could be images, it could be videos, it could be chats. But out of that 32 million globally, only 175 came from Apple. Apple has a 30 percent market share globally. Yet, um, if you look in the U.S., everyone has an iPhone. Look, I, I got a, I got a Mac. I have a Apple, but the uh, an iPhone, iWatch. But the reality is, is that how many children are being victimized right now that we don't know about? Oh, how many, right. So that's, I think, where we need to start. Okay, look, John, I'm going to give you a magic wand. Okay, um, what? needs to what could be done if you had the resources to rein in if you like and put under far more vigorous control the tech companies so all right if i had a magic wand Mm -hmm. uh if i if i only had a magic wand right so i'll get get one sent to you yeah good awesome (laughs) (laughs) But but the reality is is that 
see, there's a balance, right? And I understand the need for privacy, but um, is there a way that if there's that we can protect children? Are there better moderation programs where even if they're not scanning it, they can have AI scan something for uh, for content back and forth or language back and forth on the tech side? Can we have better education? Why aren't we talking about when a kid goes to kindergarten or first or second grade of the dangers of technology? We don't talk about that as well. I mean, I get my phone. I have to go through the terms of service agreement. And I have to scroll through a thousand pages just to say yes, but we don't put anything about the harms on that. So I think it overall balance uh, so there needs to be greater uh, resources with that because uh, there isn't moderation because there is no I would like to see a lot more money and resources on the tech side diverted to uh, solutions to help children. I think I mean, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. I, I mean, if I had that one, I would probably do the same. But I would also want to know what your thoughts are on adding things to that as well, such as when you look at things like companies and the supply chains that they use um there's not an awful lot of auditing goes on um in terms of the um the way that children well in our case children especially but anybody is used in a slave capacity or in in an exploited capacity to actually provide the things that we eat and we wear and so forth there's very little signage that goes on to um food or clothes or anything like that to indicate any kind of checks and balances. Now, I would think the same could be said for the the outline of tech companies that you've just you've just said as well. It's 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 getting to the in the public's face like we did with cigarettes, as you said. Yeah, you, you know, you mentioned something supply chain, right? Let, let's hmm. let's look at some of the um, global companies today. Uh, even if you go to financial institutions and you look, the supply chain, uh, what policies, there is no policies within their own individual companies, right? Mm, yeah. uh, that are dealing, especially in a global trade and a global market where you're using uh, forced labor of children, so to speak. So I think that's where that regulation needs to come in, uh, especially with policies. There's no one driven to that. And let's face it. If you had the ability to make a billion dollars or you were only going to make 600 million because you had to put in a whole bunch of policies and safeguards and stop gaps, mm-hmm. no one is going to do it because no one wants to lose the 400 million, right? So that's what it comes down to. Uh, and, you know, people say they want to help children, but people are. Well, maybe I'm a little jaded, you know, having spent 25 years in law enforcement, and everything from organized crime to homicide to foreign protect uh, for, from a corruption standpoint as well. But the reality is, is that um, sometimes we have to force people to police their own um, their own organizations uh, to cut down and protect children better as well. No, I I. I... I do agree with you on that. I think, I mean, there's always the, the there's organizations at the moment, as you're well aware of, that are very much into the kind of follow the money kind of way of dealing with things and training frontline people in the finance sector to look out for for anomalies and people that might well be being exploited or 
people who might be being kept in slavery or whatever. But overall, it really seems to me to boil down to uh, awareness raising and education among the general populace and sanctions. For example, I don't know what you think of, like if you can't, you shouldn't give government contracts out unless the actual person or the company winning the contract has a robust and checkable policy on child exploitation. Would that, yeah, would that appeal I, you to know, you? Know, yeah, I think you raise a good point. I think um, ultimately, you know, it, it's it's kind of our responsibility. So, I mean, hmm. you know, collectively. Well, I mean, I, I don't know what, what in, in America it must be. It's the same. I mean, you know, you, supermarkets, right? I mean, let's be honest here. We're, we can be pretty sure that they don't have rigorous checking of the sources of all their uh, all, all their suppliers from around the world and and the conditions that the food or the clothes are actually uh, grown or, or or made in um without you know oh, there's a few people checking it but by goodness it's just totally running riot as far as i can see you know dave people have in 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 if you look at history and i'm a big believer in history because i don't want to repeat like especially mistakes mm-hmm. but in history uh, it doesn't matter is that People have always taken advantage of weaker individuals, whether it be children. And it's nothing that hasn't. It's just the Internet and the technology has allowed it to um, because we're a global society. So now uh, children, we know that they're being victimized, but it's the blind eye to it. So there aren't safeguards in places. There aren't policies in places to, to help that. But it all comes down to comes down to money. And today. If we're talking globally and you can talk about the U.S. presidential election, for example, people are focused on Trump or Biden or people are focused on Ukraine and Putin or people are focused. What happens is the focus is everywhere else except here where the children, because people don't want to inherently talk about children being victimized. So there needs to be a, a greater awareness education. And ultimately we can't arrest our way out of this. Just to give you an example in New Jersey, New Jersey is a state that has 9 million people in it. And in 2015, we arrested more than we ever did uh, 120 people for child exploitation. Mm-hmm. In 2019, it was 423. There are 9 million people in the state of New Jersey. And there's no doubt in my mind that we can't arrest 200,000 people in one year. It's not going away. We can keep arresting and arresting. We can't arrest our way out of our problems. So we need to have, you know, a little bit of a more awareness. It, it's, it's, it's hitting it from every direction. It's hitting it from legislation. It's hitting it from being proactive police work. It's, it's reactive police work. It's, uh, it's, it's education and awareness. And I think that's ultimately what we're trying to, or what needs to accomplish in order for us to protect our children better. That's fair. Very fair point. I mean, I, I do, I, I have been aware over the years because child protection safeguarding has been my work as well in various forms. And the different compartments I would put things in, there's the, there's the abusers, they're the individuals, right? The abusers, the ones that are attracted to children sexually. And then there's the organized criminals, which you've 
you know, had lots of experience in getting involved with because, as you said, the monetizing of um, of kidnapping and the monetizing of slavery. But then there's those that I would consider to be um, guilty by omission, who don't look deep enough and they could have impacts, whether it's companies or whether it's organizations or whether it's sometimes even law enforcement agencies who prioritize other things instead. Um, the different compartments that you've got to tackle. So it's not like a, a, a linear problem. It's not universal. And um, but I wondered if we could just take these three and, 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 and have a bit of a conversation about it. Taking the first one, the, the actual abuser themselves. In my view, I don't know what your thoughts are, but whether it's pedophilia for a prepubescent child or sexual abuse for an older child or whatever, but the issue is, there's never going to be anything other than um, control because like any other addiction, there's no such thing as a cure. You can never no. stop being it. So you, you have to have control. But unlike most addictions, self-control is not enough. You have to have social control as well because the victim is something somebody else, and in this case, a child. But I've noticed here and in the States over the decades, the different things that have been tried to, con to have extra control. So whether it was like in this country, it was Megan's Law, you know, the kind of um, yeah. the neighborhood watch thing, or, or whether it was chemical castration, or whether it was whatever, none of them really seem to work. Because there's always going to be loopholes and way around things. Would that be your view as well? Yeah, you know, look, um, it, it... If, if, if an offender is attracted to a four-year-old, um, there's nothing that's going to stop him from trying to get images, pictures, or victimize a four-year-old. I, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it's really that simple. So you could put safeguards in place, which might deter. Um, it might actually make it more difficult. And I think that's all you can do. Um, because the reality is from the abuse and the offender standpoint, the only thing that's going to stop an offender um, is uh, when the offender no longer exists, honestly, because if that offender has the opportunity, I fully believe he will take that opportunity or she will take that opportunity. Now, you would tell you, I mean, there, there are some people, as you well know, who, some maybe really don't fully understand the situation, but who actually say, oh, just lock them all up for life, stick them on an island somewhere. But we're never going to get, I don't think that's ever going to work either because it's just rife. The, the number no, you can't. So statistically, they say three to five percent of the adult population, um, you know, most of male is uh, is a pedophile. So let's take the low number of three percent. You know how many people are in the world? We're never going to yeah. arrest our way. We can't. There's not an island big enough for that. Right. No. So. And I, so and I think that's where you know, the, the challenge, uh, challenge comes in is that, and that, and that's what I found. So like when I was talking about Raven, I mm. realized I'm like, I can't arrest our way. I mean, you're talking, David, probably in my six years, without a doubt, my task force arrested over 1500 people, 1500 people. Which, um, which is terrific. And, and, and we all congratulations, I think to you and doing that. I mean, but you're, you're, actually saying aren't you that that's really a drop in the ocean yeah and 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 honestly when i look at it 
it yeah it helps but it doesn't help because mm. th- there's more people doing it today because there's more access to technology so i think though that you know from a raven standpoint i was like you know what we have to do something differently and i think you know we need that legislation regulation in addition to the investigations um and 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 the support and to support the people that are doing these cases because you know um as you well aware of it takes a toll on when you're dealing with children in victim uh, victims of children uh, victimized all the time you know i know i mean i think we've got to accept that the resource issues are dire all over in terms of the problems that we're identifying but I mean, for example, I mean the the chief the, the the chief constables over here, you know, the chief of police in each local yep. authority, the chief constable who leads on child protection here actually recently said, and I had a big argument with him on the on radio, that there's at least in his view at least a hundred thousand mainly men who are sitting in their own homes downloading child pornography, and the police just haven't got the resources to deal with this, and. His rather stupid idea was, why don't we let the health service deal with these people rather than the, the law enforcement? And, and of course, we shot him out of the water for that one. But effectively, if you add it together with the fact that last year alone, and these are only figures that come to us without Ukraine, at least a quarter of a million children go missing every year in Europe. And lots of them are victims and that sort of lets us segue drift into the the second section, if you like, which is the organized crime section. And for that, the, the diaspora from Ukraine must have been like Christmas to organize crime. Well, yeah, because there's look, any time you don't have anyone, you know, protecting someone, it's kind of like not to, to go through history. But look, if you if you live your leave your city open. Um, and there's no walls. Even if you go back to, you know, medieval times, look, your 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 history shows it, right? So, any war or any tragedy, there's always people going to take advantage financially, um, well, victims, because again, there's no one there looking at it. And today, sextortion is really huge, right? Amer- America is a you know, huge consumer of child sexual abuse material, but there's so many children in the U.S. that now are being victimized through sextortion through like the Ivory Coast, because now it's easy to victimize children and get children to send everything digital. Before, you know what, I'd have to write, put a $100 uh, bill in the mail or a check, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just can transfer something. I can Venmo. I can hack into your account and steal all your money. I can I can use cryptocurrency in order not to be caught. So that technology has changed and left as well. Okay. Well, look, let's let's move on a little bit. I'd like to get some views from you. I mean, we we I suppose to be fair, we've been a bit pessimistic in what we've been saying so far, and and I can understand why. I mean, the numbers are just staggering, but. There are there is an increasing awareness not outside of law enforcement, outside of social services, outside, you know, if you like, within the, the general population. There seems to be a bit of a growing awareness. So whether it's, as I said earlier, the financial community or education community, I mean, schools, after all, are in the front line as well. I mean, effectively, would you say that you're quite encouraged by some of the work that's going on to educate um, the wider community. 
you know, um, I'm going to be pessimistic. I just don't. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, I don't. I, I I just don't see it yet. I see I see light bulbs going on, hmm. but I don't see a movement yet. I'll say this is that in Congress. I see bipartisan people. I see people talking about it. So like any problem, you know what? If if I'm looking at glass half full, at least they're talking about it and they're thinking about it. So I'll 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 stay there on a positive note. <laughs> but the reality is it's 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 it needs to be pushed, right? Okay. So. I'll I'll get Amazon to send you that magic wand. Um, <laughs> um listen, I, I I think we've probably got about five or six minutes left and I want to be clear and, and we can always do another podcast because I, I, the whole subject is huge and it's obviously something that I'm very interested to talk to you about. But tell us a little bit for people listening, tell us a little bit about achievable things, could you? About what, what people listening can do themselves, what maybe to look out for, what maybe to be concerned in their own communities or their own workplaces, or whatever. Are, are, I mean, you're a very kind of seasoned speaker and uh, public speaker, and uh, as well as having all that experience behind you. So, what kind of messages do you tend to give out, as opposed to just telling people how bad it is? Okay, so like, here's a couple of things from a solution based is 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 tech. Tech really um, impacts you uh, sometimes negatively because we try to live up to a world that isn't real. So I think for people to understand grooming too, I think when people that you don't know are talking to you and they repeat your language and they repeat your words, uh, a red flag should go up, right? Um, a red flag should go up on someone that you don't know. Like if you go through your friend list, right? And you're talking to individuals is that you don't understand that. So here's an interesting thing is that Right. Our amygdala, um, our fear, flight and freeze center of our brain. And this is this is what I tell people is that we don't see danger. If we go outside and it starts lightning, we run for cover. But in our own homes, we don't see that danger on tech. So I think that is um, one of the things to look out for from a, mm-hmm. from from a positive aspect is that realize that when you were at home, you're and you're on the Internet. And even though you're in a safe space, is that it's just as um, your brain isn't going to tell you that you're in danger. So I think that's uh, ultimately um, one thing I tell people to look out for. And two is is to to realize is that everyone here has the ability um, to recognize dangers. You know, we're not all um, subject to our own desire. It's just that we have the ability to to look at things and change things and have different aspects and different outlooks. So I think that's what um, really resonates with people is that any day is we can have the ability to decide, you know, what the course of our action is on a daily basis. And I think it's really important for people to understand that and be proactive in that aspect. Okay. I have an I've had an I have an idea here because I know that you're a busy man and you Raven from reading about Raven um I mean you're you're quite in demand in terms of the things that you're doing the places you're going the people you're speaking to the 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 speeches you're giving and so forth I'm wondering if as well after this podcast we could maybe hook up in a month or so again and actually you tell me during that month 
what practical things you've come across, what frustrations you've come across, what what successes, what worries, and maybe even what responses you've had from the whatever different groups. Because I've just got this feeling that what people need to hear as much as anything is what practically can be done and who is listening. Um, yeah. Would you be okay about that? Yeah, sure. Okay, I just, you know, like a, a month. Okay, okay, we'll call it a month in the life of John Pizzuro. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. I, I kind of let let's get people kind of uh, clued in a bit about reality here, and uh, hear what other people are saying. I I mean, like I said, another minute or so, John. There's no fine. I mean, I I don't want to just sort of wrap it up so quickly, but I want people to realize just how huge this this problem is. Um, you, you still connect closely with law enforcement, do you? Yes. Um, you know, uh, you know, part of being that retired aspect is that like, uh, is still knowing a lot of people in the field being relative, um, because in order for us to fix the problem, I got to understand the problems that, that, that have occurred since I've retired. Right. So, um, this is a this is a fight that really is going to take everyone and the people that are working there right now. I'm just an advocate for them, um, so understanding their needs is paramount into um, making sure that they have the resources they need. Okay, just very briefly, then tell us about your colleagues, the the the, the Raven team, if you like, because you you mentioned they come from all sorts of different backgrounds. Do you, is it a virtual situation or do you actually physically meet up a lot? Um, we, well, we, we meet up virtually, you know, once a month, but, um, uh, I have different board members, uh, of Raven. Uh, if I'm in DC, I might have a couple come with me, uh, the different conferences. So uh, I pretty much see everyone, you know, throughout the year, but at different venues and different events. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, everyone has a niche experience and it's leveraging that niche experience. Um, uh, I, how do you put it? The more I've learned, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> so uh, I really need to rely on people that, you know, know a lot more than I do. No, but I think I think if I could paraphrase a bit like you, you, you were explaining it earlier on, you're kind of milking the multi-agency. Um, you know, it, it, it's that's the best yeah. way forward, I, I think. Anyway, look. Since we're going to do a catch-up in a month or so, and people will, on the front page of this podcast, I will put everything to down to details about how to look at Raven, how to contact Raven, how to, you know, whatever, anything you want coming up, um, you just let me know and I'll put it on the front page of the podcast so that people can connect. Um, but right now, John Pizzuro, thank you. And um, I hopefully will speak to you in a month after a, a jam-packed session and... Uh, people listening can be educated further. So thank you ever so much for your time. Hello? Oh, you're welcome, David. Uh, Have a wonderful day. (laughs) Appreciate it. All the best.